Greetings and salutations, and welcome to the saga of Steve Rogers. My name's Tom, and I'm glad to have you here. If you're here for the first time, where have you been? This is episode 249, almost 250 milestone, motherfucker. Um, this episode is a lot of fun for me. So a year and a half ago, I went to California, and I was lucky enough to tour Adam Carolla's podcast studio. Uh, my wife helped me set it up. She was the one that actually said, just send him an email. What the fuck? If he says no, he says no. But right now you're not going. And if you send the email, you maybe can go. And as always, the amazing Amy was right. So I got to her out of the studio. Afterwards, I sent an email back to his um, assistant, the person I um, set it all up with. And I was like, hey, man, I'd love to have you on my podcast. He was like, fuck yeah. So he came on. Um, that was um, a while ago. And I'll put a link to that in the show notes. But he came on, and then at the end, I sent him another email. I was like, hey, I'd love to interview Gary Smith. At the time, Gary was the um, – his main job was producer of Adam Carolla's show. He's moved on to a lot of other podcasts. Instead of just doing one show, same thing every day. He does multiple shows and different networks that he works for also. So um asked Matt to hook me up, sent an email to Gary. Gary never replied, and I was like, well – Maybe that's just uh, I've already overstayed my welcome. No big deal. But the other day I sent a tweet just for shits and giggles and said, you know, hey, Gary ghosted me. I was reaching out to the person who's now the executive producer of the Adam Carolla show. And uh, Gary replied. I tagged Gary in my tweet and I see, you know, G. Patrick Smith, Gary, um, ghosted me. I was wondering if you would come on my show as, you know, a representative of Corolla and Gary replied to the tweet almost immediately and said, that doesn't sound like me. I was like, well, it actually is. He's like, well, you know, if that's the case, I apologize. I'd be happy to come on. And so I found the email that I sent and blah, blah, blah. I sent it to him and he's like, yep, love to do it. So he did it. So this is about an hour and 10 minutes of Gary's life. It was a great time. Learned a lot about him. A lot of things I didn't know about him. If you're a fan of the Adam Carolla show, you know, Gary, if you're not a fan of the Adam Carolla show, you should be, you're missing out. But without further ado, after a whole shit ton of ado, the Rodriguez report, and then an interview with Gary Patrick Smith, the producer of many of the shows at the Adam Carolla network. Thanks. Enjoy and peace out. I don't know why I was peacing out. Hey, uh, saga of Steve Rogers.com is a website. Steve at saga of Steve Rogers.com is the email address. If you know somebody that would be awesome on the show, hook your brother up. Patreon.com forward slash saga of Steve Rogers is the way to support the show. This is a fan supported show. I love doing this. I'm up to episode 250 next week after this one drops. Um, and I have an amazing time doing it. But there's a lot of cost associated with it, and having the Patreon kind of allows me to recoup some of that money that I've already spent. So for the cost of a taco, a hot dog at Costco, or the cost of a tire for your car, <laughs> give what you can give. Um, Patreon.com forward slash Saga of Steve Rogers is a way to give back. Share the link. Tell a friend. Leave a review. Please give me feedback. I, I say this to people at my work at air quotes the bank um, start stop and continue tell me things I should start doing I should stop doing and I should continue doing or do more of so help me out give me feedback love you guys peace out bye hello and welcome to the Rodriguez report my name is Asbel Rodriguez so my brother called me out of the blue 
When I saw his name, I knew what our conversation was going to be about. It was so ironic that this call was taking place in the middle of July. I answered, hey, bro. He said he was sitting in the dark. Well, get your ass up and turn on the light, I say to him. He chuckled. You mean hit the light switch? Yeah, flick it on, I say. He tells me, hold on. Nope. Didn't work. It's still dark. And I finally say, wait a minute. Is there a blackout? And he yells out, bingo, my brother. Most of the city is out. My brother called me because he wanted to reminisce. A moment in time that is seared into both our memories is the blackout that occurred in the summer of 1977. I remember everything about that life-changing event. My brother, on the other hand, was six, and I can't see how he could have comprehended what was happening. I think what he remembers is how for years afterwards, right around the middle of July, I would always talk about the great blackout of 77. It was the first time I realized children and adults see the world differently. What the hell does an 11-year-old know about mob mentality? One minute everything is fine and orderly, and the next, people are looting and engaging in violent, destructive behavior. Buildings were set on fire. People were taking revenge on those who they always wanted to settle a score with. There were so many cars stolen that night. It was a complete breakdown of civility, all because the lights went dark. The power company produces electricity, it runs through a grid, reaches your home, and everybody's happy. The system breaks down and the power is shut off, and our caveman instinct, which lies dormant in the deepest section of our brains, is reactivated, and suddenly Darwin's theory of evolution is law. Before the concept of money was created, there was barter. Before that, the strong acquired whatever they needed or wanted by taking it from the weak. In the streets of New York that night, groups of people got together and began to break into businesses and they took whatever they could carry. Slumlords who were handcuffed by the city with its prohibitive housing regulations set their properties on fire and collected the insurance. As an adult, you did one of two things. You barricaded yourself in your house, did everything you could to protect your family, and waited it out. Or, you gave in to your basic instincts, joined the mob, and looted. If you thought you could go outside and look around just to see the spectacle, you were sadly mistaken. Everybody I know that did that was either attacked or almost shot by the cops. If you left your house, you were an idiot. Thank God my father was not an idiot. Anyway, the topic stayed fresh in my mind because until the day I left New York, I would tell anyone who would listen about how brave I was that hot summer. At that young age, I was never more scared in my life. I was never more confused in my life. But I was also never more excited in my life. That's your Rodriguez report for the week. Spike Lee made a movie about this time period called The Summer of Sam. He tied together the 77 blackout and the story of a homicidal maniac named the Son of Sam, who is also known to the police as the 44 caliber killer. It was a good movie, but for me personally, the blackout and the rights that followed, 
I remember vividly. The serial killer David Berkowitz? Not so much. I'm not sure why you want to listen to a podcast. The thought of listening to random people you don't even know drone on and on about even more random topics seems horrible, yet here you are. You've chosen to download this podcast and you will choose to listen to it. You're doing so of your own free will. Some of the things you hear could be happy or sad. They could challenge your current mode of thought, expand your horizons, or yes, even make you mad. If, while listening, you become offended, feel free to turn it off. It's your choice. Don't bother running to mommy, sending a nasty email, or trying to drag HR into your stupid little opinion. You're controlling how you spend your time. If you don't like it, don't listen. It's that simple. Hey, Tom. How about man? How are you? Fantastic. Adam was Great. late, huh? Yeah, he was confused. He thought we were going at 1 and not 12.30 and just got a little screwy. Wow. He'll blame it on somebody, like a homeless guy or something. Well, it is an unusual thing, to his credit. We, tr- we traditionally go at 1, but today we had a weird schedule. Weird. Well, I'm super excited to have you on, man. Sure, dude. My pleasure. Sorry about the uh, sorry about the ghosting. I had no idea. <laughs> it's all good. It's not, it means nothing. It's no big deal, man. I'm just glad to have you on. Looking sure forward thing, to dude. this for a while. So yeah, so uh, I'm recording. I'll record on my end, so you have a studio version for me. So I don't know if that's useful to you, but I'll do it because I already have it all set up that way. And then I'll uh, I'll ship the file over to you when we're done. It'll work perfect. Yeah, I use a Rodecaster Pro, and I'm del- I'm recording That's in multi-track, so I'll just drop your track where my version of the phone track is, so it'll be perfect. Nice gear, man. That's exactly what I'm using. Are you really? Yeah. I know that's what you guys use for remote stuff, but I didn't know you used it in the, in the studio there for anything. Well, I'm, I'm using it in a conference room because the studio is being used for Adam's main show, but I've got my own Rodecaster that I just kind of keep around for mobile recordings and for certain shows I work on, stuff like that. So I just have it out in the conference room here at Corolla. Very cool. Um, so I'm going to go through, like, I, you're a very private person, so I'm going to ask you some personal stuff. If I ask you something that's none of my business, tell me it's none of my business. It won't fucking hurt my feelings at all. All right, most F, uh, I don't say my kid's name. Just Not, FYI. Wouldn't ask it because I wouldn't wouldn't want to say mine either. So totally cool. Yeah, yeah, for sure. All right, um, cool. Yeah, go for it. All right. Um, I'll do an intro later. So I'll just, uh, yeah. Blah, blah, blah. All right. So everybody, I have Gary Smith on the phone with me. He is the producer of, among many other things, the Reasonable Doubt Show, Good Sports, Adam and Drew, Ace on the House. Um, Gary, is there anything else I'm missing that you're a producer of? Uh, in the Corolla world, I yeah. think take a knee is the only one that you might've missed. And what outside of Corolla? Uh, I work for, I do a few things freelance. I do a couple podcasts, one shows. I work for Rob Riggle on his podcast and, uh, Dave's the thunder, I guess. I don't know if I can't remember if you highlighted that, but that one's technically no longer in the Corolla world. No, I didn't know you did that. I don't don't listen to that. I love Damashek on the uh, good sports, but I think uh, an hour, hour and a half might be too much for me. <laughs> it's a it's certainly a very specific thing. It's it's nothing like uh, like his sports shows. It's it's its own monster. 
Um, so you, you actually are engineering for Rob Riggle. Were you doing that since the beginning of his show, or is that something you just started doing more recently? Uh, no, I've been doing that one since the beginning, actually. He's, uh, he's about to finish up his second year, and we're headed into year three strong. So uh, I've been with them since the beginning, and they used to be at Podcast One. Now they're over at Spotify, and I've been with them all the way. So you go and do the engineering at his studio somewhere else. You don't do that at Adam's studio? I uh, do not do that one traditionally at Adam's studio. We've kind of bounced around over the years. Podcast One has their own studios where they did it for a long time. And since he's been with Spotify, it's more, um, you know, we, now that we've got the uh, the Roadcaster, we sort of just do it wherever is most convenient. A lot of times it's his house. Sometimes it's Sarah's house, his co-host. And sometimes it's just a, you know, on-set, neutral location, wherever wherever we can find him that week. He's very, he's like Adam, very, very busy. Yeah, he's. I see him all over the place. He pops up on TV all over the place. And, uh, yeah, it's real, really a funny ass guy. I loved when he was on SNL. It's the first time I was introduced to him, but hearing him on your show and he's just so freaking funny. I love, love Rob Riggle. I uh, couldn't agree more, man. He's, uh, he's about the nicest guy in the world and he is exceptionally very funny. So, uh, it's, you know, I see him at least once a week and it's still a surprise to me, the number of things I see him pop up on. Cause you're right. He shows up as a guest character or as a commentator on, it seems like every single thing I watch. He, it, a lot of people seem super nice and, and amazingly kind on his show, but I think he's probably one of those people that's genuinely that way in real life. Maybe just my guess, but. Um, it, it's a good guess, man. He's, uh, I, I don't know. I'm sure you could find someone that's got a story about him being a jerk, but it's not going to be me. I, he just, he's always been nothing but gracious to me and, you know, invites me to everything and is super sweet and just seems to really love his wife and kids. And he just seems like an all around good guy. Yeah, that's awesome. Uh, and uh, so let's go back. Tell me where you grew up. I know you went to school in Arizona. I know you live in California now, but where did you grow up? I've been in California my whole life, pretty much. I uh, I grew up um, in the very outskirts of L.A. County, a town that touches uh, Orange County, uh, one city over. And uh, I was there for most of my uh, young life until around middle school. And then my parents moved into Orange County, uh, down to one of the beach cities, and I, they still live in that same house that they moved to when I was 12 or 13. And uh, so I moved with them, went to high school there, went to school in Arizona, and then I started living up in L.A. Um, you know, after college, and that was when I started working for Adam, and I had a few jobs before that. And then uh, I have just recently moved back to Orange County myself, um, not too far, you know, two cities over from uh, that original city that I grew up in in L.A. County that sort of touched Orange County. Very nice. Do your parents still have a shrine to you like Matt's parents do in his house? <laughs> uh, no, not like that. <laughs> I mean, my uh, my bedroom still looks somewhat similar. You know, they, have, they didn't go get all new furniture. I had a big desk that was built in that's still there, but there's no, it's not all my memorabilia. It's not all my trophies or anything like that. It's, it's just their guest room now, but it does very much feel like my room still because it's all the same furniture and all that kind of stuff. Very cool. Do you, do, um, you have any siblings? I do. I have uh, I have one sibling who's 16 and a half years older than me. And then we have a very close cousin who is almost my sister's exact age, who's been living out in California since um, since she got out of college. So almost 20 years now. So she sort of when she moved to California after college, she kind of moved in with my parents while she was getting, you know, figuring out where exactly she was going to live and what her career was going to be. So that was when I was I don't know, nine or 10. So she pretty much feels like a sister too. You know, she lived out here and comes to all the, all the family events. So I, 
I have said on air before that I have two sisters and that's very much how I feel, but tradition, you know, very technically she's my, uh, my mother's sister's daughter. And you, parents took a long break between one and the other. Sure did. Yeah. Yeah. And they, uh, they, I think they, uh, they had their hands full there and then they decided they wanted to give it another go later, but it's, uh, yeah, it's a weird thing, man. It's not, not traditional at all. And, uh, it was a weird relationship, you know, not the traditional brother sister relationship that most people probably have that me and my sister had for a long time, but, um, we might be even closer than brothers and sisters that grew up together now. Like it, it took a while, you know, by the time I was old enough to really want a friendship with her, she was in an age where she didn't want anything to really do with a five-year-old and I get it. And then Sure. By the time I grew up a little bit more, she was pretty mature and I was turning into an asshole teenager. But once I got out of college and got into my you know early 20s and stuff like that, we got we got very close and have been ever since. That's awesome. Um, yeah. So when you were a kid, what did you want to be when you grew up? Like not as not in college, like when you were a kid, what's the first thing you remember as when I grow up, I want to be a this. Probably athlete, which was very ridiculous. I was not a good athlete, but that was, you know, I don't know. I was a little boy, but you're six, um, five, like you, you, is your father hugely tall? No, no. Um, uh, I have an uncle who's, uh, who's six ten. That's Jesus. That's yeah. It's that side of the family where I get the height. His son is a six, four, six, three, six, four. His daughter's at least six foot, probably six, one or six, two. Um, so it's that side of the family. My mom's side where the height comes from my grandparents, my great grandparents were all six foot on that side. And that was at a time where that was gigantic. Yeah. So that's certainly where I get it. But my dad's about six foot, maybe, maybe five, 11 and a half. My mom's five, 10, five, 11. Um, so I'm, I'm certainly the one that looks weird in all the family photos, but, um, I, yeah, I have the height, but I didn't necessarily get a lot of it until the end. I, I grew, um, in my late teens quite a bit. I was definitely taller than everyone, you know, throughout most of my life, but I didn't have that big last, dramatic spurt until the end there and my vertical is nothing i am the absolute definition of white men can't jump so i was i really enjoyed hockey basketball i was good at for a while when i had that distinct height advantage but as everyone started to catch up it became apparent that my skill wasn't there and i was just sort of cheating on my physical gift and uh yeah so most of my energy as i went on through my through my career i i did not enjoy playing baseball i think i just got on some teams with kind of tough coaches that I wasn't fond of. Um, and I ended up finding hockey and that was where I put most of my competitive energy was hockey. And then as more of a, um, a hobby, just as an excuse to hang out with my dad and, you know, golf on the weekends and stuff like that a little bit. What position did you play in hockey? It kind of depended on the game and it depended on whether I was playing ice or roller. I certainly wanted to play offense. Um, in ice hockey, I was always, fighting with my coaches over whether I could play center or whether they wanted me to play defense because of my size, they typically wanted me playing defense. Um, in roller hockey, I was, I I think able to mostly play offense because it's, you know, four person, at least the format that I played in when I was a kid, it was four person on each team as opposed to five. So there was a lot more open space, you know, it was a, a big rink. So you didn't necessarily need your biggest guys playing defense. If you were a decent enough shooter, you could play offense. So, Nobody ever tried forward. to cram you in the goalie? 
<laughs> oh, definitely. No, no. I, I played my fair share of defense, and I had more than a few back checks uh, in various parts of the back. I have I've went through the gambit, and I played them all, but um, I, I was a decent shot. I, I wasn't necessarily the fastest guy, and I wasn't maybe the most skillful, but I had a decent enough shot, and I could score, and I was usually able to convince my coaches to let me play a little more offensive style. Do you still play? I don't. I threatened to get back into it. I'd really like to now that my now that I my son is around. Um, it's just a little hard with my job. The hours are so different day to day and week to week that it, it's kind of the only reason that I sort of wish my my hours were more static. You know, eight to ten or nine to six, whatever whatever it is, just so it was predictable and I would feel comfortable signing up for a league and knowing that I can make practices and games. But the way that the way that our schedule works around here, that's just, you know, there's at least two nights a week that I'm going to be at the office until 11 p.m. pretty much, and it they're not the same nights by any stretch of the imagination. If you look over six weeks, I, it will fall on pretty much every night but Friday over the course of that time. Wow. So it just makes it makes it a little hard, but I, I fantasize about it. I would love to. I think I would get my ass kicked, and I would come off the rink the first time just panting like it was the end of my life, but I still think it would be fun, and it would be good exercise. So maybe one day. But it would feel amazing to be back in the skates, back holding the stick. Like, oh, absolutely, yeah. No, I I still keep sticks around the house and stuff, and I I dribble around with a ball when I'm bored and when I'm on the phone or something. You know, if I do it, do it on carpet, so I'm not that obnoxious with it with the sound. <laughs> but you know, I I I still mess around, and I I like to to fantasize about it. I I think I would get out there with a decent level of skill. I guess I don't. I for my age group, I would imagine I would be pretty okay. Speaking of age group, how old are you? 34. Wow, you right? fucking don't look 34, man. You don't look 34. Good well, good genetics. Thank you, I hope. Yeah. <laughs> no, genetics. I turn uh, I turn 35 next month. What the, what's your birthday? January what? De- oh, December, 15th. December. Shit, I forgot what day it was. Yeah. My uh, December in- uh, December 15th, so I'm on a Sunday this year, I think. My birthday's in January. I was wondering if it's the same month, but I forgot what fucking month it is. That's how slow I am. Um, yeah. So you you went to the second best college in Arizona. I got two kids to go to ASU. So I have to say that shit. Otherwise, okay. I get mad. Um, so you went to the to the other school here. Why did you pick Arizona to go to college with so many amazing colleges in Cali? Uh, I wanted out of Cali for a minute. I I'd been there my entire life, and. Uh, I I toyed with the idea of going to USC. There's a long family lineage at USC in my family, and quite frankly, my grades combined with my race, extracurriculars, sex, all of that was not getting me into SC of my own accord. Um, so the only chance that I was going to really have to go there was going to be sort of on the recommendation of someone in my family, and I didn't really, I didn't want that hanging around my neck. I wanted to go somewhere that I could go on my own and just make my own way and. That way, the theory was that way that if I screwed up and did something embarrassing, it was only on me. You know, if I, you know, my grades dropped or whatever, it would not, it would not there, therefore also fall on my grandfather or my aunt or whoever, whoever it was that, that would have attempted to help me get in there. So I just wanted somewhere that I was getting in on my own accord. I wanted to stay somewhere that was in the, somewhat in the climate I was used to, which meant not snow for four months of the year. And, uh, Arizona seemed just close enough that I could get home if I wanted to visit, but my mom wasn't going to be swinging by because she was headed to Costco or whatever, which yeah. would have a hundred percent been a thing that she would have done. And I don't, I don't begrudge her for that. I get it. But, um, I'd had a lot of, 
I'd had a lot of that over the course of my life. So it seemed just far enough away, the right climate. I, uh, I went for a visit and I, the people were fairly good looking, which was not a downside. Not at all. They had really good sports programs, which, uh, you know, the year, the year that I was about to go there was right in the height of the Luke Walton team. And, and, you know, we didn't end up doing anything with it, but it sure looked like the basketball team was going to be good for several years there. And, uh, yeah, I don't know. It was, uh, I, I absolutely don't regret it, but, um, it, I don't really know why I chose that over everything else. I sort of locked into it really early and that was, that was where I ended up. One of the stories that's brought up on the show a lot, kind of thrown off, and I don't know the context of it, is about you shooting a cactus here. What the fuck is yeah, that about? Brian, Brian has <laughs> appropriated that story, which is complete bullshit, but whatever. You didn't it's, shoot a cactus, or you did shoot a cactus? No, I, I saw somebody shoot a cactus. I absolutely did not. I was made aware very early on that messing with cactus in any way was... I, I can't remember if it's a federal offense, but there's there's something dramatic that goes along, or so I was told when I lived there, that there is severe legal penalties for screwing with any of the indigenous, uh, I guess I, I guess wildlife is the wrong, uh, agriculture, I, agriculture maybe. I don't know, yeah. whatever. Yeah, what, whatever it is, I it was made very clear to us very early that to mess with any of the cactus, you know, if you try to dig one up and take it home like that, they can put you in jail or fine you dramatically. So I was never screwing with anything like that, but we would go out into the desert to go shooting because Arizona, as I, you may know, is kind of the wild West. If you yep. go far enough away from the rights, from kind of the roads and whatever, far enough away from everything, you can do what the hell you want. And we would, and it was fun as hell. And, uh, we would see cactus out there with bullet holes in them. One time I saw some asshole do that. Um, and everyone that was out there fucking jumped on him immediately and just gave him shit for the rest of the day for being a moron and whatever. But we would absolutely see, you know, evidence of people having done that in the same areas where we would go shooting. So I once told that story and Brian appropriated it however he has. And, you know, with shows like this, these stories like that kind of have a mind of their own. And it's you can either try to correct someone or just let it go because it's going to morph. It's going to morph. Otherwise, you end up complaining all the time about, you know, that's not true, but yeah, just let it go. Exactly. And it's like, you know, it's just, that's not good. That's not good pod to jump on and try to defend yourself after a joke that actually is funnier the way he tells it, you know? So what was your major at at, uh, Arizona State? Uh, U of A. U of A. Sorry, Sorry. I forgot. The, you can, I knew it was the other one, but I there, couldn't but remember can't. what the fuck it was. <laughs> Go ahead. Wildcats. <laughs> University of Arizona. Wildcats. Correct. There you go. Uh, it changed a few times. It ended up as a political science, the business minor, and I somehow believe I came out with a Spanish minor, which we were, <laughs> we were talking about this the other day, where it was Matt claims that he also came out with like a uh, a theater minor, which he was never going for. He was going for uh, for creative writing or screenwriting or something. And it, on the last day, you know, someone said, well, wait, you have all this stuff. If you get the right signature from the right department head, then you can have this minor as well. And that's sort of what happened to me with Spanish. I can't even remember how or why. I think I I took some of the Spanish at the community college, and I think that it counted for more than I had anticipated it would. I'd gone like a couple of levels higher than I needed to just because Spanish was fairly easy for me. And they were, I was trying to also get them as general education credits. And I somehow ended up with that minor as well, but, uh, it it started as a business major. And then I flirted with accounting for five seconds, even though I knew that was dumb and, uh, ended up with, uh, with poli sci. And what was your, what was the goal? Like, what was the game plan? What were you intending to do once you got out of college? 
Yeah, that's adorable. I wish I would have had one of those. <laughs> game plan? Mm-hmm. No game plan? You just got the degree and then went, now what? No, I mean, I guess the game plan, yeah, it, it was, I don't know. When, people, when those questions started being asked around freshman or sophomore year, you know, I didn't really have an answer. So the answer was law school or business school. And that was just kind of a cop out. And so I got out of college and the plan was law school. I mean, I took, I, I started prepping for GMATs and that seemed like a huge pain in the ass and more math than I wanted to deal with in the long term. So I thought law school and then I, I had a close friend of my family sort of sit me down and say that I should not do that immediately and that I should go work in the law field for at least a year to a year and a half and get a realistic understanding of like what that looks like before I decide to spend, you know, however many hundreds of thousands of dollars and years trying to accomplish this goal, like go, go see what the end result is. And, uh, I did that for probably, I think it ended up being about 18 months. And it was while I was doing that job that I started, that I, one night heard Corolla filling in on Loveline and he was plugging his podcast. And that was when I started, I found it and I started listening to it and I started going back through the old episodes and I was listening to that podcast, the Adam Corolla podcast at the time is what it was called, Mm -hmm. um, as a way of sort of getting through the mundane work that I was doing. I just put an ear, you know, an earbud in the ear that no one could really see unless they walked around to the wrong side of my desk and no one really all my superiors kind of frowned upon that and told me to stop it. And I would just sort of found a clever way to do it without getting caught. And that was how I'd get through my day. You know, all the mundane shit that I had to do that I didn't really need 100% of critical thinking for. I could just sort of listen to that and kind of get through all the spreadsheets and stuff like that. So uh, before we go too deep into the podcast, cause I've kind of separated into your life and then the podcast, but you sure. you lived with a bunch of your coworkers. Who who did you live with? That one, you guys all were in like a frat house, basically, of Corolla employees. Who that's all... that's a little bit incorrect, but I I understand where you're what you're getting at. So it's we referenced this house that we lived in. That was me and Matt. So after <clears throat> I lived alone for quite a while while I was working at Corolla, uh, I had I started work living in a house with a few college buddies. Uh, a high school buddy actually and a few of his college buddies but a bunch of college age guys and then that house broke up and I went and found a place on my own for a few years and then uh, Matt Fondelier who was a co-worker but I would say not a close friend at that point just sort of a friend um, he asked me to drive him and his buddies to the airport one day because they were going to Vegas and on the way he had me stop at a bank so he could hit an ATM so I had this this buddy of his in my car who I'd never met before, you know, picked him up at the studio five minutes earlier. And in the five minutes that Matt was getting cash from the ATM, me and this guy through making small talk figured out that our fathers had worked together for a very long time and knew each other and were very friendly. And it wasn't until we sort of went back to our dads and figured it out. But my dad had actually hired his dad into the company that they both worked for and were very, very good friends. And it was just happenstance that I had never met this kid before so Matt lived in a house with that kid, that kid's little brother, and a fourth guy. And about four months after that trip to, you know, the trip to the airport, they decided they wanted to kick the fourth guy out. I had started becoming friendlier with Matt and friendly with these guys that 
you know, our dads knew each other and they invited me to come live in the house. So the four of us lived together in a giant house in the Hollywood Hills. And that's the one we sort of refer to like a big frat house. And, and it was, we had a big ping pong table as a main piece of furniture and we'd play beer pong and ping pong. And, you know, just, we were just, you know, guys in their twenties or idiots living in Hollywood. And they were, the house was being renovated. They were in the middle of flipping it. So we were living in the middle of renovation for a year and a half with pretty decent rent as a result, you know, with the, uh, the brothers and their parents were, you know, slowly going through and updating it. And then they eventually sold it. And that was when we broke up. And when we all broke up from that house, Matt moved in with his then girlfriend, now wife. And I moved in with Kaylin Bean, who is another Corolla employee. And yep. we got an apartment, just the two of us in North Hollywood. So there was, there's never really been more than two Corolla employees living at the same place at the same time. But because, these brothers that me and Matt lived with are like, you know, all of our mutual best friends now. So we sort of talk about it as though, you know, I could see why it would be confusing to sound like all of us sort of live together, but it was in fact, just those two guys and me and Matt. So then I'm going to change the question. Cause my question doesn't make as much sense anymore. I was going to ask you who was the most right. likely to leave, to use the last bit of ketchup in the bottle if you all live together, but that doesn't matter because you never all really <laughs> live together. Who's more likely to leave coffee in the cup with your picture on it in the sink at Corolla? Well, my, the, the mug with my picture on yep. it has not been in this building for a long time for that exact reason, because it happened once. And I, I was there. It, I came for a studio visit and your cup was in the sink with coffee sitting in it. You won't remember it. It doesn't matter. But I was there and you lost your shit when you said somebody used my fucking cup and left it sitting here and you dumped it out and cleaned it because Adam wasn't there yet. Yeah, exactly. No. And, and as a result, I, I don't remember that, but I 100 percent believe it I, because it's just that's such that's such bullshit. Like we he comes up with this system of like, I'm going to catch the person and then people start using other people's mugs. So I took mine out of this building a long time ago. Um, I guess. The general answer to your question is probably Kalen, just because Matt and I have been around a lot longer and we both had it drilled into us so hard that that's not a mistake that Matt would make. That's, you know, he's just super hyper vigilant the way that we all have to be working here. But sure. just based on on age, it's probably Kalen. But Kalen would be pretty good about something like that, too. I don't think that you'd really catch him doing it either. But I've never really had a problem living with either of them. You know, they, we've all gotten along really well. Kaylin had the sweetest deal in the world because I met my wife shortly after we moved in together and she lived in Orange County and I was driving down there quite a bit. So Kaylin was sort of living in a two bedroom apartment, only paying for, you know, half of it um, for quite a while. Um, and that worked out pretty well for him. And you said Kalen's been there the shortest amount of time, but how many years has he worked there? He's been there like five years now, right? Maybe even more. Yeah, yeah. The shortest amount of time between the two guys that I've lived with, oh, okay. Kalen and Matt. Got Certainly it, not it. the shortest of anyone at the company. Kalen's been here. Shit, I'd have to go back and look, but it's it's at least five. It's probably closer to six six years or something yeah. like that. And uh, But, you know, since then we've had other guys come through, and there's at least two or three guys here now that have been here shorter than him. and. There have been a few that have come and gone as well. So you mentioned the girlfriend, you living with her, and then I know you recently, how long ago was it that you got married? Uh, April 2018. So year and a half. C congratulations, by the way. Thank you. Thank um, you very much. What was the biggest change from being single Gary to married Gary and living with somebody other than just guys? The commute. Just the commute? 
I mean, yeah. I know uh, Los Angeles traffic is from hell. Like, I was only there. I've only been there three times, and it's horrible and filthy. And Adam doesn't do it justice in how dirty it is. Like, everything is fucking filthy. Yeah, no, it, it's horrible. I, I, that is mostly a joke. Um, my commute did get significant, though, when, when we started living in Orange County, uh, even northern Orange County. That, that means quite a trip uh, both ways each day. But I don't know. I mean the biggest change i don't know i guess having to be concerned with with how you know with i guess not pissing the other person off i i wouldn't there are things with my wife that i think about that i would have never thought about with matt and kaylin you know it's like i i don't even really know an example but it's just it's a different it's different when it's a partnership and a, a relationship like that as opposed to just sort of two friends um you just consider the other person's feelings in a very different way. I I would imagine. And you mentioned when that's awesome, by the way, I, I feel the exact same way. I've been single and been married a couple of different times. And the, the worry about hurting a roommate's feelings or pissing them off or leaving your socks out there or shoes in the way or fuck all that. But with your, your significant other, the person you love, your wife, whatever it's, it's right. different. You care. Yeah, and I mean, especially when the when the roommate is a close friend and a coworker who you're spending so much time with, yeah. you know, even outside of the home, it's like my my the threshold for what's going to piss Matt off is I'm going to have to be a real dick and do something pretty fucked up to Matt, or, or you know, something pretty messed up to the the living space in order to really offend Matt. It's just it's different with guys. Sure. Um, you mentioned in the Twitter conversation that we had back and forth about kiddos. I, I had no idea that you had kids. I knew you were married, and yeah. I had no idea you had kids. So tell me about that. Yeah, just one, man. I, I uh, had my first kid um, at the end of August. So we're coming up on four months here. And, yeah, just, uh, I, you know, you had said that you record mostly on the weekends and uh, or, or at night. And yep. those – I was glad we were able to find a time that wasn't either of those because my uh, I'm still working full time. And if I can find a little bit of dead space during the day like I did today, um, that's really the easiest for me because when I'm home on the weekends or, or home in the evenings, um, my wife obviously needs quite a bit of help Sure, or would like it. I mean, she's, you know, she's a rock star. She's very good at, at being a mom. And, and I've had to travel a few times for the cruise and a few other things. So she's obviously capable on her own, but she would really love the help. So, uh, so those times on the weekends and, uh, and at night that I'm not working or that I can try not to work a lot of times it's, you know, I'll take three or four hours in the, in the evening and then it's back at it once he's asleep, you know, nine, 9 PM on just kind of finish up whatever I was able to put aside for the end of the day. But, uh, yeah, it's been good, man. It's, uh, it's really fun. It's, it's a, uh, a whole different set of challenges and, uh, and dynamics, but it's all for the best and it's, it's the greatest. Yeah, I As love obviously you've been through quite a few times. Yeah, I have uh, seven kids and my wife and I are about to adopt two out of foster care now, but none of them are mine biologically. I married my wife. She had seven and then you know, two have aged out of the program, moved out of the house because they graduated. One's in college now, still living at home. But we just um, began the adoption process on two, a three and a four year old boy and girl. And, oh, well, uh, congratulations, man. That's that's super noble and that's awesome. I'm I'm very glad to hear that that's i hope it all goes smoothly yeah it's it's super rewarding like it's amazing when i moved in with my wife the youngest kid was eight so i've never had two three and four year olds so it's different completely different i thought i knew everything already and 
I don't know shit, so I'll figure it out <laughs> all over. Does um, any parent know anything though? I, I they a lot think they do. None of us know shit. And what you know, right. they'll change the game on you the next day. Like what you think is their favorite oh, yeah. thing, they're like, "Oh, that stuffed animal sucks." Oh, hundred percent. And you know, I, I, yeah, okay. I know I was a kid, but I, the, there's nothing that my son's going to be able to relate to that. I, you know, I got a 56 K modem when I was like eight or nine years old. It was like the last gift of Christmas it was the biggest fucking biggest thing in the world to me. And it's like that I'll never even be able to explain to him what that is. Nope. Um, so let's talk about podcast stuff. So how did sure. you get the job at Corolla digital? You said you listened to the show when you were working a job you hated um, but how did you get, like, what brought you into the world? I showed up at the first live podcast. I guess it was a live podcast. It was the first live show Adam Carolla had ever really done that I was aware of. It was down at the Irvine Improv. And uh, I went up to, I bought a single ticket by myself. And I went there and I went up to the guy who was the main producer of the show at that time. And I handed him. I told him I wanted a job and he gave me an email address and said to email him a resume because it was it was right around my birthday. It was mid-December and they were about to go dark for, for Christmas. And he said, you know, here's an email address. Email me a resume and I'll get back to you after the first. And I had one in my breast pocket and I handed it to him. And he was impressed by that and he gave me a different email address because I guess the first one was a blow-off email. <laughs> and uh, it took about four months of me emailing him. I don't know, once a week, once every 10 days, I would just send basically the same email that I'd rewrite every single time. So it didn't seem like I was copy and pasting, but it, the main gist was like, you said you were going to give me this opportunity and I'm not going to stop bugging you until you do. And eventually like April or something, I, I was called in to meet with his wife, who was also one of the producers here. And, you know, a few weeks later I was starting as an unpaid intern. That was my next question is, so what was your first job there? You were just an intern? Yeah, I was an intern and uh, I was working on um, what at the time was called the parent experiment. That was the first show that they sort of assigned me to because, you know, 24 year old, straight, white, seven foot tall man, you know, you assign him to the parenting podcast. But yeah, whatever. Um, <laughs> I was I was happy to have the opportunity. So I, I just did what I did. And uh, before long, I was working on other shows and then I was associate producer of the main show and you know, every time a new sh new opportunity would come up, whether it was Ace on the House or or whatever it was, I was just I was kind of there, and uh, it just you know the, I sort of expanded as the network did. So the original show that was Teresa and Lynette, correct. And then when Ter when did the when did that show become Lynette and I can't remember Stephanie was was um, Teresa still there when that happened or no? No, in fact, there was a few different hosts in there that only a real historian of the of that particular show would even know. But uh, Teresa got a job in uh, in Arizona. Yep, she's uh, here. And right, so she moved on from the Corolla show, and at the same time had to move on from the Parent Experiment. So Lynette then tried a few different co-hosts, and eventually settled on. Um, on Stephanie, probably three co-hosts later, and they continued doing the parent experiment for a while, and then there was a lawsuit that people can Google and read about, and when that was over, part of the settlement of that was that uh, one of the people on the other side of that lawsuit had come up with the name of that show and therefore owned it, and there was discussions about whether or not to try to argue that, and 
we just sort of all decided to just change the name, keep doing the same thing, and, you know, people would follow. And that's what ended up happening, and that was when it became For Crying Out Loud. I didn't know that that was part of the lawsuit. I've been I've been trying to get Giovanni to play. So I wasn't around on the podcast back in those days. I'm hearing a lot of clips with with the uh, with Donnie on Corolla Classics, but I don't know the story other than what I've read online. So I'm trying to get him to play like sometime when Adam was talking about the the lawsuit and the breakup and him leaving. But I'm hoping he'll eventually do that. Yeah, there's not. I don't think there's a lot to play because. You know, there he was couldn't talk about it really. Right. There was, you know, an ongoing legal thing and anything that was said into a microphone, you know, to be consumed could then be brought into the case. And, you know, I'm sure he talked about it a little. I remember him talking about it a little, but there's, you know, you're not going to find any extensive, you know, 70 minute break breakdown explanation. I don't think just for, for legal reasons, but yeah, I mean, you know, it's it's pretty much all in the articles you read online. It's it was an acrimonious thing, and yeah, at the very end when it was finally being settled, I think that was one of the last things that was thrown in. Was like I came up with that, and I get that name, and you know, who knows whether it was. I, I haven't seen anything done with that name since, so I don't know if it was just a last ditch screw you. Uh, you know, you don't you don't get to take that. I just don't know, but there was there were conversations about you know, well, is it worth it to try to keep the name and keep this all going and. You know, Sarah, Stephanie and Lynette and I at the time just sort of all agreed, you know, it's it's not those three words that are going to that are keeping people. So let's just let's pick a new thing. And, yeah, it may take a little bit to get everyone you know, converted over, but largely people are going to follow. And, and that was what happened. Uh, that's more than I even knew, because I like I said, I never knew that that show was part of the problem there as well. So you started- it, it wasn't. It really was not part of the just problem. Just thrown the in at the very was, end. It was, it was the very last thing. Like, everything's signed. You know, deals are done. And it was a last-minute kind of, you know, whatever. Vindictive. Who knows? It was a it was a last-second thing. And we just said, fine, fuck it. Let's be done with this. We're moving on. So when you started there, how many employees were at Corolla Digital? Was it called Corolla Digital? That was what? Ace Broadcasting? It was, it was Ace Broadcasting. It was one, two, three, four. It's a little hard to say because it's like, I'm just wondering the number then versus the number now. There was like four or five, what I would call adults. And then there was (laughs) four or five kids. And then shortly thereafter, it changed again when Adam, you know, decided to make it the Adam Carolla show. Because, you know, back in those days, it, it really was just the Adam Carolla podcast. It was one-on-one interviews, and it was it was not – there was no news girl. There was no sound effects guy. There was no – you know, Donnie was producing the show, so there was no Mike Lynch or Mike, Mike Dawson, no voice of the network, none right. of that. So it was, it was a few kids my age in their early 20s and a few people, you know, around Adam's age in their mid to late 40s that were sort of the uh, the adults is I guess the lack of, of anything else to call them who were sort of running the place. And then there was a few of the younger kids. And then how many now? Um, got me, Chris, Matt, Kalen. So that's four. Gabe and Emmy is six. Uh, Brian, Gina Dawson is, uh, nine Dylan. So not around anymore. Oh, uh, so probably he still works for Corolla Drinks, but he's not around on the podcast side of things. Okay. Um, so, yeah, probably 10, 10 or 11. Okay. Big jump. More people. 
Um, yeah. As the producer of the show, I have a I have a question because I do a little shitty podcast in my garage. You guys do a major broadcast that's fucking millions of downloads. How come you guys can play music and I can't? Do you know? You can. I mean, look, it, it all it all comes down to something called the fair use, right? Fair fair use. You know, it's so you don't hear us playing a lot of music uninterrupted. There's always commentary going over it or around it or in front of it or behind it. Um, you know, it's, yeah, if you sit there and try to play an entire Billy Joel song, that may not go well for you, but it's also just about someone has to actually come after you. It's not, it, unlike something like YouTube, which has algorithms and stuff built in where if you do something like that on a YouTube video, you know, they've got it all pre-done out so that Warner Music will automatically flag that or, or whatever his label is. I have no idea. With podcasts, you know, someone has to hear it and then complain and file a thing, and it's just never really been something that's been an issue for us. As long as you are commenting on it and doing it under the fair use umbrella, um, largely it's something you can get away with. Mm-hmm. Okay. Maybe I'll take a chance. I, I play, <laughs> I play like, if I have somebody on and we're talking about current events, like I played, if I play videos on YouTube clips that I got a flat screen in the studio or whatever, and I'll play like the last thing I think I remember playing was Kanye singing, um, singing a Queen song in England and it was horrible and I played it and we made fun of it. But then I was like, oh fuck, I don't think I'm supposed to do that. Nah, I mean, yeah, it's it's a little bit of a gray area. If you if you guys are commenting about it, you know, right after oh, and the whole time, fun interrupting of it, the whole time. Yeah, yeah, I, I think that that falls under fair use to the understanding that that I have of that that rule. So you talked about your schedule, your schedule. So what days do you guys record? Like, what days do you have to be there? How many days a week do you work? I know your hours are insane, but just just give me a give me a like a short version of what your week looks like on any given week. It's generally Monday to Friday. Um, you know, the start and start and end times are a little bit up in the air, depending on what shows we're doing, when and where. But it's generally Monday through Friday. And then if there's, you know, uh, events like World Championship of Guacamole or Last with Bald Brian, those are obviously on the weekends. And we've sure. got, you know, stuff to do there. Um, you know, live Adam Carolla shows around L.A. We're oftentimes, you know, on the weekends. So that's on top of it. Um, but it's changed a lot over the years. You know, these days we record Monday through Friday for a long time. We recorded Sunday through Friday. Um, it's just, it it sort of changes. Adam seems to change it up, you know, once every two years or so. But, uh, right now we record on Friday for Monday is at least so far as ACS goes Friday's recording is Monday show. And then, uh, all the way through the week, uh, you know, for the following day. And then all the other shows just sort of slot in wherever they need to based on their air dates. Wow. That, so I thought that they were still recording Sundays for Monday. Like he would go over there, watch Good. football, and then come over on Sunday. So Good. That means it's working. Yeah. Nobody, there's now, now people may, well, the five people listening to my shit show may hear it, but, <laughs> but I, I had no idea that it wasn't recorded the day before. So that's awesome. Yeah. I mean, we don't publicize that, but it's also not a secret. It's, uh, you know, if you listen carefully to the news now, you'll you'll notice there's not any, there's nothing breaking from the world of football on Monday show. There's nothing, you know, stuff like that. But it, it hasn't 
really hurt the show. We haven't seen a lot of people commenting on it or, or complaining about it. And it works a lot better for, you know, everyone around here and just for Adam's schedule, especially when he travels and stuff like that. So that's yeah. what we've been doing lately. I was worried because I was thinking it was still a six day a week, work, you know, working for you guys. Like I get Adam's a machine, but people that work hourly or you guys, I'm sure you don't work hourly, but people that, you know, you've got a brand new baby and a brand new wife and, you know, working six days a week plus being plus working until 11 to 12 o'clock at night. It's got to be horrible. So I'm glad you only have a five day a week job most weeks now. Yeah. Yeah. Me too. It's uh it's been a nice change. That's uh that's been about a year and a half now. So it's been, been nice. What's the best part of your job? And then, you know, the next question will be the worst, but what's the best part of the job you have? Uh, I get paid to listen to professional comedians be funny. I mean, that's, that's why I got into the business. And I would say that's probably the best part of the job is, you know, we, we get a, a great variety of guests on the show. And, uh, so, you know, to get to listen to professionals, try to make people laugh and you're there in person watching it, you know, vi visually, whereas most people are, are listening to it in their cars or their headphones is, uh, you know, it's a treat to be paid to do something like that. That's for sure. Absolutely. All right. What's the worst part? I don't really know what the worst part is. I mean, yeah, I don't, I don't know. I mean, it's it's different week to week. I would say there isn't a, a global, like, worst thing I can say. Um, you know, last-minute changes. Adam's famous, famous for saying, you know, I never imagined this many adults would be bad at their job, which is <laughs> very, very true. So I guess dealing with incompetence where that is – impeding our ability to do our jobs to the best of our to the best of our uh capacity you know whether it's last minute changes in ad schedules or you know guest bookings that are done incorrectly that you know screw up our whole plan or whatever you know stuff like that um it is certainly a frustrating part but it's not that's that's not like you know going down into a coal mine or anything so yeah. it feels silly even even highlighting it could be a lot worse Absolutely. Could be a shit ton worse. Um, yeah. So what's the post-recording process like? So let's say you you do one of the shows. You do ACS. You record it today for an hour and a half. And then what's the post-process like? Just broad. Uh, well, for ACS, it's ACS is a very unique show in that it's got a very broad scope of people. And it's changed a lot over the years. But at the moment, the way that it works is... Uh, Record, we'll record ACS. Uh, Adam will traditionally have something to do. Then he'll come back and he'll record the little toppers, you know, sort of that have been yep. new over the past year and a half. Or I really so. like those. Those are actually really, yeah. really working. It's been good. Yep. And then all of that, you know, so Dawson records all of the show and takes it with him. Traditionally, he leaves while Adam does whatever he needs to do. Uh, me or Matt or Chris or somebody here will record the toppers and send them to Dawson. Dawson builds, puts all the uh, promos and all the, the other nonsense together, and then he delivers the files to me. And I get those usually in the late afternoon, and then I upload them to both the content management system for the podcast delivery and to create the website post for the next day and put all the subsequent you know pictures and videos and put that all together and get it all ready and scheduled to go live at at 9 p.m., which is traditionally when ACS launches, midnight in the east. Um, so that's that's pretty much the process, yeah. We all record it here, and then Dawson will put it all together. He sends it off to me, and I get it up on the site and on the uh, on the back end. 
That's interesting. I figured it was all done in studio there at Corolla. So what does Dawson like take it home and work in his home studio and compile everything? Yeah, I mean, it's not or wherever. I mean, it's the the kind of post-production that we do for this show. We get everything that's that needs to be recorded is all recorded into the files before we leave here. And then it's just about adding, you know, pre-produced promos and stuff like that. So, you know, I can you can do that at Starbucks if you have the right computer and you know, you know what you're doing. So it's not like to say he needs to go back to his home studio to do it is, uh, yeah, I guess technically he probably is in that room, but he could just easily do it from his home bathroom. It's, it's just about finding a space with, with a computer to put it all together and make sure that it all sounds right. And then, you know, export it, the proper specs that we're all, that we use. Interesting. Okay. And that's, that's only for ACS. I mean, for, for every other show, it's, it's very much, not as large a team you know for something like reasonable doubt i'm doing all of those things and it's done in a little bit of a different order a different process because it's just sort of got to fit into when i can make it work with all the other stuff i have to do but acs is the only one that has like a multi-person team and system like that okay so like you would record reasonable doubt well i think it didn't you used to record it on friday and then it would come out saturday we still try to do that and you know it's just certain weeks that works and certain weeks it doesn't but yeah it's so we'll I'll record the whole thing I'll get it all down I'll get it all there and then I go back go through edit do whatever post production needs to be done export it create the website upload it to the content management you know get that all just put it all together myself so and that's how most of the the smaller shows are everything but ACS pretty much okay so how long how many years have you been there uh just over 10 all right, so in 10 years, you have to, no no hurting anybody's feelings, but you have to have a, a favorite guest or Ryan interview. Cranston. Which one? He's Ryan been on Cranston. a couple times, hasn't uh, the he? Time, the time that sticks out to me is the time that he was on uh, at what was then called the John Lovitz Podcast Theater. Correct. I think. Yeah, yeah, I think that is what it's called. Sorry, I was getting another call Thanks. that I was trying to decline um yeah he was on that show and the reason that one sticks out to me and the reason it's my favorite is very much a selfish one it has nothing to do with the content of the show i remember it being a good show but he got there about 10 minutes before the show started which was about one hour earlier than we had told him to get there and at the time the way we did the show for live shows we didn't bring the guest on until 45 minutes to an hour into the show so right. he was there at the time I was doing search. I was still very new. So I was basically responsible for running the computer that would throw up images or videos, you know, as Adam was talking live, nothing really, you know, in live shows, there was nothing really pre, uh, pre done. It was no news or anything like that. So it was just sort of whatever was happening in the moment. And Cranston saw what I was doing and pulled up a chair next to me and sat there for an hour, 45 minutes or something, just you know, suggesting stuff. And he was just acting like a little kid. Oh my God, put that up. That'd be funny. Oh, that'd be, oh, find a picture of this. And it was just, it was, it was just like adorable to watch the most powerful man in show business sort of yeah. be excited about this thing. And you know, the way we had it all situated, we were up on the third floor away from anyone in the crowd. So it was literally, you know, there was like probably three people around and one of them was Cranston at the height of breaking bad sitting next to me, like super excited about my job. It was just, it was just really cool for someone like me. Jesus, that sounds amazing. That sounds like that would be one of the greatest days, not just at work, but of life, man. Just being around somebody. And he seems another like Rob Brigo kind of guy, like just a down kind of guy. 
Yeah, from all the times we've had him around, he's just a he's a family man, and you know he had his wife and his daughter with him that night, and he yeah he's just a he's a good guy who seems seems very happy and fortunate with all of the success that he's had, and he's he's not taking any of it for granted. Very cool. Um, would you would you be okay saying a least favorite guest? Maybe not your the most fa- most sure. least favorite, but who who did you not enjoy having on? So I'm going to steal a little bit from the upcoming. There's a book coming out highlighting the first 10 years of the Adam Carolla show. And this was one of the questions they asked. So forgive me that I'm repeating it, but it's a very limited edition book that I think only. A couple I haven't hundred. gotten mine yet. I haven't okay. gotten mine yet. So, so I, I apologize <laughs> that you're going to, you're going to get a little bit of a sneak peek, but, uh, the most interesting man in the world, um, I can't remember his name offhand, but there was a guy, the guy who came in who at the time was the actor who did the most interesting man in the world, and he was the least interesting guest in the history of the Adam Carolla show. He lived on a boat in Marina del Rey. His wife slash publicist was with him and was like standing in the corner of the studio, and every time a question was asked of him, he would look at her to see if she was okay with him answering. It was it was just painful. There was just nothing good about it. It was it was awful. That sounds from hell. Yeah, that sounds horrible. It was terrible because, you know, there's nothing really that interesting about this guy except that you're the most interesting man in the world. But he was so scared of doing anything that might jeopardize that, that he wouldn't talk about being the most interesting man in the world. And then there was nothing else to talk to him about. He's a 70 year old guy who lived on a boat in Marina del Rey. It's like, how are you supposed to stretch that into an interview? And Adam did a good job. I mean, he he made fucking lemonade with what he had. But God, I mean, we all we joke about it around here to this day. And it's been at least eight years. Yeah, they played it on Corolla Classics a little while ago because I've only heard parts of it. And I've heard Adam talk about it, and I think there's a, a made-up commercial with the wife like saying, the most interesting man in the world, fuck you, whatever that is. Um, but, yeah, it was super boring and really horrible, but Adam did the best. That was pretty interesting. Yeah. Um, so Dawson famously, and they just played it a little while ago, Dawson um, thought he was going to hook up with Lisa Loeb. So has there ever been a guest in the history of you being there for 10 years that you're like, man, I think I have a chance with this person? No. Never once? Come on. You're just saying that because your wife may hear this. She's not going to hear it. No, she's not going to hear it. She doesn't want (laughs) to listen to me. She doesn't want to listen to me any more than she already has to. But no, it's... there were certainly guests that I would have liked to have had a chance with. Sure. I'm I'm not trying to front and pretend that wasn't the case. But no, I mean... I always viewed this. I've taken three pictures with guests of the Adam Carolla show my entire life. And two of them were at the, after I mentioned to somebody, I would like to get a picture, but I wasn't going to ask Then They asked on my behalf, um, which I did not want them to do because I've always treated this very much like a job. So I, the last thing I want to do is make a guest who is coming into a building with a bunch of people they don't know before they go on to a, you know, nationally syndicated radio show, feel uncomfortable. So I've always been highly professional and I've just never even, I don't know. I just, I don't think I've ever really put out that vibe. Um, you know, there've been, there've been fans over the years that, uh, at various levels of drunkenness at, you know, Corolla drinks events or live shows or whatever, where I could think, where I could tell you, I maybe probably had a better chance. Um, for sure. I mean that, that has happened, but, uh, I've never really taken advantage of it. And, uh, I've never just, I don't think I've ever really gotten that vibe from a guest. I don't, I don't quite, I don't quite have the self-esteem that I think Dawson may have had at that time. I didn't know Dawson back then. That was during the radio show days, but, uh, I don't think I've ever really felt myself kind of ever in my entire life quite that much. 
Dawson does have huge self-esteem. He's the exact opposite of Adam and Drew with zero self-esteem, as they like to say. But yeah, I, he, I think I fall somewhere in the middle. But uh, <laughs> certainly, certainly nowhere that I was. I've been feeling myself to the point that you know, someone, someone who's famous, who's coming on the show because everyone knows who they are, might might be feeling me. I just you know whatever. And that's another one of those stories that it's like it's sort of like Brian and the cactus shooting. Like who knows what that the genesis of that story really was. Like I. I you know, Adam has his version of of what happened, which is hilarious. But I've never really asked Dawson the real version of it, and you know, I would imagine that the truth is somewhere in, in between. between. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. All right. Um. So you you talked about Matt Fondelier a little earlier, and he used to have a podcast. There will be spoilers, but near the end, he started doing there will be whatever, and you were a guest on his show i don't know if you'd call yourself a co-host but you were a guest on there frequently yeah so what was your favorite episode that you did of there will be whatever and what was the topic well there's a few episodes of that show that i'm not quite positive if they ever came out that i think were called there will be roommates um (laughs) i don't think i ever heard those i think at least one of them came out but there were there were four or five that we did and then the next morning listened back and decided there was no way they could come out because we would just sit down with a giant bottle of Jack Daniels and just, we would just sit there and just get fucking hammered for, for long periods of time talking nonsense. And uh, so a lot of those hit the cutting room floor. Um, I had a fun, my, my childish Gambino episode that I did with him was really fun. Um, you know, that's the one that sticks out. The roommate ones were always a blast, but just terrible podcasting um as as fun as they were for the four of us you know it's all inside jokes and and dumb references to friends that no one else listening would have any idea what they meant stuff like that so um i guess the childish gambino one is the only one that really really jumps to mind okay last question and first off let me before i ask the last question i just want to say thanks for doing this man it's been amazing talking to you um you're in the middle of doing your real job and i'm glad you found a little bit of time for me so i appreciate that sure thing man i uh i do feel bad that i i let the ball drop when matt sent me uh sent me the email originally so i'm glad i was able to make it work not a problem at all man it's been awesome i want your definitive taco rankings oh it's beef, adam talks pork. about them all it's, the time it's it's absolutely beef pork and then there's i don't know oh a long list of different combinations of no, 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 no. There's a long list of like different bullshit that you can combine that isn't in the list of the three. And then chicken falls dead last. Chicken is dead last for you. Yes. And fish, fish and chicken are on the exact same level as far as I'm concerned. Now, I, I don't think that that is a traditional ranking. I don't think that that's a popular opinion, but my mom went through a phase when I was a kid um, I don't know if she was on a diet. I don't know what the hell was going on, but I, I know hyperbole. We ate chicken every night for five years. And I, as a result, and there is just very few preparations of chicken that I am not sort of over. I, I just, I will always prefer beef and pork if they are available. Um, and as far as a taco goes, it's just, it's always going to be beef and pork. I, I do you know, love the, uh, it seems like the Nashville hot chicken is sweeping the country or at least sweeping the Los Angeles area these days. And there's a spot for those popping up every five minutes and that's delicious. And I, I love a good fried chicken or wings. Um, absolutely. But just sort of your straight chicken breast that's then chopped and thrown into a taco is going to always be boring to me. I don't, I don't know why. Have you been to Trejo's tacos? Uh, I have had a taco from Trejo's tacos that was transported from there. I have not been been there. No, 
I've not been to okay. the physical establishment, but I hear good things. Yeah, next time I'm in town, I'm definitely going there. It's one of the things I missed when I was there last time. It's uh, it's right in a, the there's a bar next door that me and my buddies in that frat house style thing used to go to all the time, and then two doors down the other way is me probably me and Matt's favorite burger restaurant in L.A. So, uh, I mean, there's a few Trejo's tacos, but the one that I'm thinking of in Hollywood is is right in a a prime little area, right you know in the heart of Hollywood, and uh, yeah, there's there's plenty of things around there if you uh, if you need any recommendations after you have tacos, I uh, I know that area well. The hamburger place, is that the place with the highfalutin ketchup that you've mentioned a couple of times? I think it is. Yeah, it's called <laughs> it's called Stout. Um, highfalutin That's ketchup place. refers to a few places, but yeah, I think it's I think it's Stout. And then down the street is an umami burger, which has become a lot more widespread, but at the time was pretty L.A. Awesome. Hey, man, thanks a lot. I appreciate you making time for this. Sure thing, man. No problem. It was, uh, it was a lot of fun. Cool. I'm going to stop recording. Everybody go away. Fuck yourselves. Me and the man in black, but I got cash.